Big questions, even bigger guests. This is the big interview. Good afternoon and welcome to my chat with um, Sean Roberts, one of um, former professional players that played here in South Africa. And uh, today we're discussing a very painful topic, really, and that is uh, financial management about players, you know, who played professional football in the country and some end up as paupers. Sean, good afternoon. Welcome. Thomas, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This is a, it's a, it's a great topic. Thank you so much, Sean. Uh, I think the reason why I brought this topic up is the case of Tendai Doro. Very mm. painful to see a former professional player uh, falling on bad times. And the same Doro, by the way, pulled uh, the late David Mkandawire off the streets after the former Marisberg defender was found roaming the streets of Johannesburg and sleeping under the sky. Now, yeah. Doro is the one who has reportedly fallen on bad times. And I want, I want us to focus on the life and times of footballers and why the majority end up destitute at the end of their glittering careers. Why is it, Sean? Yeah, Thomas, I mean, there's, there's various reasons. Um, and, you know, and, and Tenda, unfortunately, is just one of the cases that has um, that has been in the limelight, there's hundreds more that we are just not aware of. The players that have obviously just fallen away the um, the wayside, and um, and you know what, Thomas, it's not just South African footballers. I mean, yeah. there, there are devastating stories with Springbok players, with, with cricket players, with NFL, with NBA players, guys that are earning 100, 200 million dollars a year. Wow, they just, they just cannot. Um, what's the word? Probably not educated enough in terms of the finances. It's something that I honestly believe that the PSL needs to take a lot more seriously. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had conversations with various people at various certain levels with the PSL on how we can combat this. Um, yeah. You only need to look over the ocean in terms of looking into Europe and what they are doing. Um, you know, ex-teammates of mine, Hans Fox and the Westerfels, guys that have played in, in Holland and, and what they do is, and in the majority of the European leagues, if, for example, they earn a hundred rand, yeah, um, thirty rand of that, but they will not see. They, they, it's kept from the football federation. It's put into a fund, which they can then act, which they can then access at um, at retirement age, which is 35, 36. So then, all of a sudden, thirty percent of what they earned over their 15, 16 year career, yeah, they can, they can now live off very comfortably for the rest of their lives. And that's that is something that cannot happen at a club level. That is something that has to happen at a PSL level, um, which is not happening. And it's 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 devastating to to see. And I promise you, there's we're going to see a lot more Tenda and Dora stories uh, stories come to fruition if if this is not taken care of. Yeah, yeah, I know because I mean, in the past we had, uh, for instance, Felim Fries, who ended up working as a gardener for Bloomfield and Celtic until the club was sold. Wow. And then there is Terra Fantini, you know, oh. Steve Lequele. Junaid Hartley, Lerato Chabangu, OJ Mabizela. I mean, the, the list is endless. And I mention these names because the public has been drawn to their plight and will understand this painful episode much better. Now, shouldn't we perhaps be focusing on whether clubs pay their players competitive salaries to make decent livings? Yeah, that, that's also a very good uh, point, is that um, there is such a discrepancy in the PSL and, and, and really only in the PSL. I can't think of much of another league, but yeah, you, you, will, you, you will get players at the top end earning millions a year. And I'm talking yeah. millions. 
Then you go to the lower end of the league. You will, you will get players, full-time professionals, by the way, earning 100, 200, 300,000 a year, which which may be a lot to some, but you, you remember you're talking about a professional sportsman here who's, yeah. who's, whose career has a timeline attached to it. So you need to maximize what you can get out of it. And to be paying a professional player, and I, this has come up in, in, in conversations before, you know, less than 30, 25, 30,000 a month, it's not going to cut. Yeah. That's not going to cut. What future does this player have? True. Um, so, Thomas, I mean, you know, I can speak about this for hours. It's something that I've been very passionate about in the past. Um, more so, you know, in an instance, yeah, where, where my father-in-law and I started a, a very successful business where I would target current PSL players and we would try and put money away for them. It basically acts as a financial planner, which I have studied. Right. And um, we got to a point where I think we had 47 players on our on our books, so to call. And and out of those 47, 47 failed to pay what they needed to pay into these certain funds. You know, so oh, no. yeah, so much so that I had players earning uh, millions a year, but they yeah. would physically go into the bank and reverse charge their child's education policy because. because that, that's so, so Thomas what I'm trying to say is that that is coming fundamentally from somewhere else you know that, that is not just a player that is um, greedy in any way not yeah. at all it's just a basic lack of education and, and that's it and, and, and from the players that I have and this is no disrespect to any player but yeah. you know the, the clubs that I've been a part of you've never had financial education no, before, before we even go into that, Sean, I, 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 the reason why I brought this, um, uh, the, the issue of whether clubs are paying um, players competitive salaries is that last week, the entire country has been numbed by revelations from Peter Kwabani, who alleged that he earned 1,500 from Val Professionals. And when a prominent club, I'm afraid to mention their name for fear of facing litigation, mm. allegedly offered him and three other players 20K, they did not hesitate to take the money to influence the outcome of that match, which wow. they ended up losing forward. Yeah. That, is, that is another downside to... Of course. And, and Thomas, I, I didn't even think of that, to be honest. So, I mean, it is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very interesting point. And, and then, obviously, you get the haters out there that they say, oh, that player's only moving because of the money. I mean, do, you, do you blame him? Do you blame the player? No you way. The money? You can't. He's, he's got a family to feed. He's got kids going through school. True. Yes, yes, sometimes. And then this is the problem. Obviously, I'm in the player representation part as well. And sometimes you question players' movements to somewhere like Sundowns. And we've seen it. Um, we've seen instances like a Lucky Mahomi, for example, who, who yeah. was fantastic at a, a Free State Stars and who, yeah. was, who, was, who was a talk of the time where he moved to somewhere like Sundowns and played not, a, not enough games over the last three or four years that he was there. Yeah, and, you know, now he finds himself in a bit of a, a tricky situation. So, uh, do I blame players moving to something like Sundowns? I don't, but there is also something called timing in one's career. Yeah, like, um, obviously, I think lucky to go to Sundowns was probably the wrong timing for him to go to a team like Sundowns. Maybe, do, do you know what I mean? So, there's, yeah. there's and that, that comes with proper advice. So, there comes another question what are these agents doing in terms of? Providing yeah. these financial 
opportunities for their players. And you know, obviously, if a, if a player goes to Sundowns, it's obviously very financially viable for the agents and not just the players. So yeah, there's, yeah. There's a deep, deep levels we can go to this, Thomas. But fundamentally, mm. um, something has to change at the PSL, at the top. That's 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 if if I can give any takeaway out of this conversation, something has to fundamentally change at the top. To help these guys, I, I hear you, Sean. I, I hear you, and I fully agree with you. But should it be the duty of the PSL or that the players themselves also need to come together and say, "Look, when I when I negotiate a new contract with my new club, I need in the contract insurance, medical insurance. I need, I need, um, say." I don't know, but but you know stuff like that. Medical insurance, not only that, but a life and a life policy, for instance. Yeah, you see, absolutely. So it's 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 um, you know, it's a much easier said than done, Thomas. And I understand where you're coming from. Um, so one thing to understand is the clubs are insured if a player gets injured. A good example for me was when I was at Ajax. I signed yes. a, I signed a four-year deal, and out of those four years, two years I was injured. Um, I was just very unfortunate, but I, w- I was still getting my salary every every month because the club were insured against me getting. I injured. hear you. I so hear. Personal insurance is very different, and I've, I've gone down this road before. Unfortunately, it is very very expensive as a footballer to get personally insured in terms of injuries and whatnot. But yes, in terms of certain life cover policies, in terms of uh, medical aids, which is which is important. Um, I, I do believe there is a gap in the market to. Possibly install that within one's contract, um, but again, once a player leaves a team, he's going to fail to pay those uh, yeah. th- those contracts. So it's it goes around in a vicious circle. But I completely understand what you're saying. But I do believe there's a, there's a lot of work for the agents here to to get involved in terms of life after football. That's 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 important. Now, now, now one other issue, Sean. I mean, we we're discussing all the challenges faced by professional players when they stop playing and what about do clubs and players sit down and maybe engage alcohol anonymous you know to give motivational talks to players because i know for a fact that there are some players who are unable to deal with alcoholism Mm -hmm. yeah thomas i mean again this is this this needs to be done in my time it certainly was was swept under the carpet for sure. Um, there is a, I wouldn't say there's a drinking problem at all. I don't want to, but there are players that obviously indulge in, in drinking because it because it's readily available and it's it's, it's quite accessible. And yeah. with players earning good money, it's relatively cheap as well, right? So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But you've seen the impact alcohol has had on certain players' uh, careers, especially post football. And you mentioned one of their names in 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 the introduction to this this podcast. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you've got to understand, professional sportsmen—they die twice, right? So you obviously die when you die, um, but you obviously die as well when you stop playing because you've got to. I'm not laughing, sorry. Yeah, but but it's real. You, you've got to reinvent yourself now. All of a sudden, um, so you must remember, and, and I'm still going through that. Like I, I, I always thought that people saw me as Sean the soccer player, not Sean as ah, oh, what a cool guy or. Or he's my friend, and that's the biggest struggle that that professional sportsmen go through is is that transition 
from playing to not playing. What is next? And again, nothing has been done about that for players. I know Nathan Pulse is actually involved in, in certain things which he's doing, which is great. Um, I'm involved in something called Reboot, which is exactly what it's saying, is to reboot one's career once once play is finished. And that's obviously just across the board. It doesn't have to be just football. Um, but I, I do think that the general public don't understand enough or well enough the, the actual yeah. challenges that go through players once they've finished playing. And that's why I don't pl- blame certain players making the money move. No, 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 no. We, we, we're not playing the blame game here, Sean. We just want to, we, we're discussing and delving into this, this very painful issue that afflicts a lot of professional players once they stop playing. And um, again, I'm forced to ask the question, uh, Sean, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting you on the spotlight here as a former professional player. Mm. You know, does it have to do with education sometimes? Or is it peer pressure or competition among U.S. players to to drive the latest flashy German machine, the biggest cars in the market, you know, something like that? What is it that drives some players to to say I'm owning five or six of you know the biggest, latest? German model cars when you can. I, I mean, I know Surprise Moriri and Cyril and Zama to an extent, they went on for years driving some of the smallest cars in the business. Yeah, it, it, it's a very good question. And um, when I was at Sundowns, I remember Surprise had a little Toyota Corolla and yeah. know, he, he would never he would never budge from that. And and it's really only after your career you actually understand, wow, that, that, that's amazing. And yeah. they've seen how well Surprise is now doing in the, in the Sundowns racks in, term, in terms of the coaching. Um, but the answer to your question, Thomas, is it's all the above. It's, it's the peer pressure. It's the lack of education. It's trying to outdo. I mean, when I was at Sundowns, I remember very clearly um, two players that were, well, I wouldn't say it was two players, but they would try and outdo each other with, with, uh, with certain things and, and cars, especially. Yeah. And I can tell you now, both those two players are completely bankrupt. Completely. Um, so it, it's all the above. And you would see you would see what the players are doing, you know, thanks to social media or not thanks to social media, however you want to look at it. Um, you can actually see how active and what they do outside of football, who yeah. they hang around with, uh, especially the younger players I look after. The main thing is, I mean, that, that critical age between 17 and 21 or 17 and 22 is, yeah. is who are you going to hang around with outside of football? Because those guys are really going to be the ones who are going to you know, steer you in the right or wrong direction. Um, and it's, 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 are you going to be able to say no to that drink or that cigarette or, or, or that weed or whatever's going on? And, um, and unfortunately, some players just get mixed into the wrong cards. Uh, and it's very easy to do um, because they've got no possible leadership at home. I mean, you know, you can dive so deep into the Thomas. There's so many layers to this. But, but yes, the answer to your question is it's all the above. It's, it's the peer pressure. It's the lack of education, 100%. All of a sudden, you know, guys are literally coming from nothing and and earning two, three million a year, right? It's like, what, what, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on, there needs to be some guidance there. I hear you. Now, now before I wrap this up, Sean, what, what, what do you think should be the way forward? I mean, after all the things that we've discussed about, mm. what should be, you know, the way forward? I'm, I'm asking this because I know a player like Jabu Pule, you know, who has publicly confessed that he was a slave to drugs and alcohol. But the man has turned his life around. Shouldn't yeah. clubs maybe utilize Jabu Pule to come and talk to their players, you know, from a personal point of view, 
what happened to him and how he managed to so that they should avoid what he went through actually yeah that's 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 a great question and and without a doubt that is that is one of the answers Thomas you've got to use examples that have happened case studies that have happened and successful stories all these stories don't have to be oh he's, he's lost everything but they can be success stories right um, yeah. but, but again I go back to what I said in the beginning something has to change at the top mm-hmm. it has to because it has to filter down into the clubs I understand if you get the odd club that is doing certain things we see Mamanoli Sundowns getting ambassadors involved now and our, our good friend Teko is one of those which is great um, yeah. so, so we see certain avenues that players can move into post career um, but Sundowns is, is is only one example I, I don't know what Chiefs is doing I don't know what the uh, Pirates are doing I don't know what the other clubs are doing yeah. so you don't see many successful stories post career and I think that's that's not okay and I think that really needs to be addressed and that has to start at the PSL level whatever that is I know Matthew Booth is, is heavily involved in the ex-players and, and, and trying to really look into this which is great we, we should have a, maybe a conversation of the three of us maybe in the next couple of weeks about this um, but in, in essence Thomas the lack of education which needs to be addressed um, and something has to change at the top it really does something has to change and, 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 and finally Sean um, personally I've noticed that the majority of players once they stop playing you know the majority of them just want to be coaches you know what mm-hmm. I know you know they say once a footballer always a footballer yeah. like once a journalist always a journalist Correct. but but the market is wide out there you you can be a, a marketing manager you you can be yeah. a spokesperson of a club you can be like yes. or rather take on with be an ambassador you know mm. you can actually be a club scout or you can play a role as a technical analyst because you've played the game as a professional you yeah. understand the game and you can analyze you know be a video analyst of, of a club. even be a ceo for that matter why should it only be coaches? I mean, no, it, it, it's a very good question, and I think that's just a natural progression, right, from from any player. But I'll give you a good example of myself: is that when I retired, I I hated the game, so I, I ran away from the game. I didn't, I didn't yeah. watch any football. I didn't um, get involved for two, three years. I just I hated it, and and I'm 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 so deep in it at the moment because, like you say, once a footballer, always a footballer. But I, I you know, I think. It, there is some responsibility in terms of the players here. Yeah. I think when you play football, people want to be around footballers for some reason. They, they, want to, they want to be associated with footballers, whether it's big businesses, whether it's uh, podcasters, whether it's whatever. And, and players yeah. need to take advantage of that. You need to build up your network while you're playing. And that's exactly what I did. So I, I, I would never burn a bridge. I would always go and shake someone's hand. I would get business cards made and say, right, Sean Roberts, my email address, whatever it is, even though they knew who I were. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'd leave an impression with whoever I met. So whether it was with the sponsors when I was at Bidvest, Vest or whatever. And, um, and, I, and, and while I was playing, I was trying to figure out what else was I passionate about. So I was, I was giving my, that sort of time to myself. What else am I good at? You know, a good example now, Cole Alexander, he's, he's, he's studying to be a personal trainer because he loves it. And, and, and that's going to be his natural progression when, when, he, when he finishes, which is great. So there is some responsibility on the player to find that out. And, and I do think that that would make the transition slightly easier. And now my business now, which is more the player representation and sponsorship side, 
I've got all those contacts already. I don't need to cold call anyone because they already know me. And I've, I've dropped a message like twice a year just to check in, say, how's it going, cool, cool. And you keep that relationship open. And I don't think players realize what a position they're in for to make that transition a lot easier in terms of who wants to hang around them and who doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because, you know, um, personally, from, you know, from, from my point of view, sitting where I am, I think... Lucas Khadebe could play a very key role in terms of being involved with Bafana Bafana. Like, for instance, who doesn't know the chief in Europe? Sure. Lucas could be someone who could go to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and say to him, listen, we have a player here from South Africa playing for you. We need him for, this is our program for Bafana Bafana. And they will listen to him, you know. But it's only me, it's, it's only me talking and uh, in any case. Sean, there's so much that we can discuss more about this topic and hopefully one of these days we'll get together again and discuss it even further. Thank you so, so very much for your contribution and please do have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thomas. Thanks for hosting us. It's been great. Thank you. Big questions, even bigger guests. This is The Big Interview.